Hello and welcome to the weekly MTG after show where the after party doesn't stop for about an hour. I am here. <laughs> I'm your host, Blake Rasmussen, and I'm here with Miguel Lopez, who is one of the creative leads for Streets of New Capenna. He is going to answer your questions and he is going to take us through building the world of New Capenna. And in doing so, we're going to preview some cards. We got about a dozen cards we're going to preview today and talk about and dive into. And Miguel's going to take us through each and every one of them, tell little stories behind them. And then when we get to the end, if we have time left, we're going to answer your questions about Streets of New Capenna. Uh, we're going to kick things off. If we're going to preview cards in this show, we might as well. Let's give you one right up front. Let's just do it. I see chat asking for Obnixilis. Chat get what's it gets what it wants sometimes, not usually. But in this case, let's show you Obnixilis right off the bat. Obnixilis, the adversary, is a legendary planeswalker. Nixilis for one black and a red, three loyalty. It has casualty X. That's the uh, mechanic that we just learned about in the debut video, uh, which copies it and makes it legend uh, not legendary when it comes into play. Uh, each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. And if you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. That's the plus one ability. Minus two, you create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And the ultimate ability, minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. And of course, there are multiple treatments, a borderless and a hero deco treatment for Obnixilis looking stylish in Streets of New Capenna. And of course, uh, Obnixilis is one of the options for the arena pre-order bundles, which go on sale today. All right. Let's dive into some of the meteor aspects of Streets of New Capenna. So, uh, Miguel, you were part of the world building team for this, correct? Yes. Yeah. I came in sort of midway through the process, uh, just before we started concepting cards in earnest. So I inherited uh, a lot of the incredibly deep world building um, that some of the other folks uh, uh, in the lead up to um, concepting had been working on. Uh, and then helped shepherd it along with uh, the other folks on the world building team from uh, a, a spreadsheet with rules to uh, finished cards, basically. All right. Well, let's talk about some of those finished cards. But first, um, sure. we also we released the story of New Capenna. If you head to dailymtg.com right now, you can read the full story of what happens in New Capenna. But for those who haven't read the story, Miguel, can you give kind of a quick overview summary of what's happening? Yeah, sure. So uh, for that brief rundown, to avoid spoilers for folks who haven't read it and to avoid um, going over it again for the folks who have, um, our hero, Elspeth, arrives on a new plane, New Capenna, uh, believing it to be important to her and the multiverse um, after being told by her very good friend, very dear friend, Ajani, that it might be her home plane. Um, Elspeth, we follow her getting into the groove of the city, learning its uh, burrows, its sources of power uh, as she investigates a host of mysteries in, in noir fashion, uh, the mystery of Halo, um, of mm -hmm. old old histories and old legends of what this plane was before it became a city, um, and mysteries that are important to her, where she came from. Um, we also learn in the course of the story that the planeswalker Vivian Reed is here. Uh, she's encountered Tezzeret, another planeswalker uh, that we have seen recently, uh, up to no good on different urban uh, modern he Is he ever up urban to good? Is that, is that a thing that he ever does? Is it ever like Tezzeret shows up in a set and he, you know, brings a yeah, small child flowers you know, long and toys time, and takes off? Longtime invested fans are, are pretty confident that if Tezzeret shows up, only good things are going to happen <laughs> to characters that they love. And <laughs> we can expect more of that in the future. Uh, so, so, so Vivian and Tezzeret, um, uh, they wind up in our sort of B-plot working with Urabrask, who mm -hmm. is uh, the... Praetor of, of Red Phyrexia, uh, who is on Nucapenna because uh, he believes that Halo and Elspeth are going to be important uh, uh, for designs and plans that he has mm -hmm. uh, uh, back on New Phyrexia. Um, Elspeth and, and, and Vivian, in the course of the story, link up uh, during their adventures and work together to protect the last source of Halo um, on the plane. Uh, before heading off to Dominaria to meet up with some old friends. Okay. And, and now, that you, in, in... 
You just yeah. mentioned Obnixilis. Let's put his yes. uh, cards up on the screen. We just got a brief glimpse of Obnixilis uh, at the end of the debut video. We've got Urbarask. Urbrask. 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 Words. There we go. Urbrask, Heretic Praetor. If you didn't catch it quite at the end of the debut, uh, five mana, three and two red for a legendary Phyrexian Praetor. Four, four, haste. Begin of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn and at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep. The next time they would draw a card, instead they exile and may play it this turn. And of course, the Phyrexian version and the Hero Deco version will be available for Urabrask, Heretic Praetor. So uh, talk a little bit more about what makes Urabrask unique for a Phyrexian. Yeah, so my, I have to admit, my knowledge of uh, Urabrask, I'm concentrating so hard when I say that name now. <laughs> it feels like a vocal warm-up for something. Urabrask. So my knowledge of, of, of Urabrask comes primarily from like a world-building and story-crafting perspective, mm -hmm. um, less so the, the mechanical. We have some brilliant minds who can speak to mechanically what makes him unique. But uh, from the story and world-building perspective, he's the Praetor of, of Red Phyrexia, mm -hmm. which... Uh, Phyrexia imagines the uh, uh, um, organic life to be a sort of anathema to their like motivating, uh, like I want to use the word ideology, but ideology feels like it is a step removed from the like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like fundamental mm -hmm. uh, foundation to their entire their being. Core tenets. Um, yeah. yeah, core tenets. So Urabrask, in contrast to the other Praetors of Phyrexia, which I should say, in case folks don't know, there are, there are um, five colors of Phyrexia uh, that correspond to the five colors of mana. Um, Urabrask, in contrast to, say, like Elish Norn or Vorinclex or Jengataxis, uh, doesn't necessarily believe that Phyrexia should lead the multiverse in converting everyone without objection to being Frexian. He is, uh, his alignment, like being read prizes like freedom and individuality and, and, mm -hmm. and, and passion and creativity and all those fun things. Um, that feeds into his conception of, um, spreading Frexian perfection, which is, I should say, he still wants to do it, but what he wants is he wants for people to want to become Frexian. <laughs> so, when we meet him in this story, we see his uh, interpretation, his belief, uh, his truth of what Phyrexia is. Mm -hmm. um, we get a hint through his story that it is butting up against the dominant strain of, of Phyrexia, the one led by Elish Norn, the one that we've seen in previous stories with Vorinclex and, uh, and, and Jim Gitaxis. Mm -hmm. um, and he is plotting something. I, I, I believe that the name of that story is The Side of Freedom, right? It's something that Tezzeret says. And yeah. um, that is essentially, though his definition, his specific definition may vary, is the side that Urabrask and Tezzeret are on. Now, that might not necessarily mean that they're good guys. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that after whatever plot Urabrask needs Tezzeret and Elspeth uh, and Halo 4, when that wraps, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to be good guys. But for now, what makes uh, Urabrask different is that he is alone uh, standing opposed to New Phyrexia as a Phyrexian. Okay. Enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal here. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, there's <clears throat> a lot of flavor in this set. And we, we saw yeah. some of that in the debut. So we are going to get to preview cards. We have 11 preview cards. One of them's a cycle of five, but um, we do have 11 preview cards coming up. And before we do that, we want to set the scene a little bit, talk about um, building some of these um, top-down cards, these really flavorful cards. So I want to talk about a card that we saw in the debut called Ledger Shredder. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about the concepting for this card? Yeah. So Ledger Shredder is... Uh we had a number of cards come in that were like very top down these are modern or noir tropes that we want to see <clears throat> as magic cards ledger shredder was one of those right it's a paper shredder right you're disposing of evidence mm -hmm. um so uh we 
we had the difficulty of translating basically modern day concepts. Like one of the things that on the world building team, we're always conscious of and always contending with is when we, when we wrestle with sets that are especially modern, like uh, Neo Kamigawa, like, like Nuka Pena, um, finding the balance between, you know, what, uh, how modern can we push something while keeping it a magic set, you know, and it's, it's very easy to cast back and say like, yeah, in early sets, Urza had mechs, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that were shooting lasers and there's a card called rocket launcher and stuff like that. Right. But, yeah. uh, we never want to take people too far away. So we never want to lose. Uh, and, and, and the main way that we do that is, is by trying in, in both like tactics and strategy, big picture mm-hmm. and, and at a card by card level of like never trying to, um, take the fantasy out of a setting, right? So uh, how do we show, like, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the very like simple question and answer is like, what does a magic paper shredder look like? Oh, it looks like an Aven in a suit with armor on it using Obviously. magic to shred squirrels. No, clearly. That was, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's exactly analogous. Yeah. It's just very well for a paper shredder. Incre- like, I want, if shredding paper pays well enough to get a, it's a gotta finely pay really tailored well. suit <laughs> finely tailored suit with, <laughs> with gold armor on it like i need to look up how to apply for that one exactly um one of the other aspects i really like about this set are some of the names like it's yeah. clear it's clear the team had fun with some of the names so uh, one of my favorites is a card we showed called a little chat um mm-hmm. the concept this sim just seems fantastic talk a little bit about that yeah, so uh, this uh, card is probably one of my favorite arts in the set. Um, uh, we again in, in working to translate tropes of like noir and uh, noir films, mob films, and, and the genre in general. Like this is the moment where you, uh, uh, you know, in this case the camera, like you are sitting across uh, the the desk of the Godfather, uh, hat in hand, uh, in the middle of a meeting. And uh, one of his lieutenants comes in and whispers something that uh, <laughs> is not great for you, as you can tell by this face here. <laughs> um, it's very fun to see uh, uh, Xander, uh, Lord Xander, uh, it, having a bit of a face crack moment where he goes from like very suave and um, controlled and smooth and in control. And you really get to see like the, this is the demon vampire side of him mm-hmm. coming out in a moment. You can imagine before he sort of composes himself um especially like the the contrast of faces in this like the sort of uh like his lieutenant's barely restrained sneer uh uh and xander's uh like absolute disgust and displeasure at what he's just been told Mm -hmm. love it it's one of my favorite arts in the entire set yeah now Okay, so we are going to talk about the the Demon Lords a little bit, but there, mm-hmm. this set also created legends for like their underlings, yeah. the people who kind of yes. work for them. And one of the ones we saw was Jaxus the Troublemaker, who has mm-hmm. a bunch of cool abilities, but also played a role in the story, correct? Jaxus was in... You know, I have to confess, there's so much story in this set that I don't recall off the top of my head where exactly Jaxus was. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of the one of the difficult things about world building is running into moments like this where <laughs> uh, we... So I should say, I should back up a little bit. Um, when we work on the world building of a story and when we work on the initial outline of a story, this is usually like a year, sometimes even two, ahead of when the set releases, mm-hmm. right? So we have... Um, a stable of characters like to fill legendary slots to fill um like face commander slots and alternate commander slots and um to populate the world right uh, whether it be in the story or in the world guide jaxus is one of these characters who uh had i believe they had a much 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 bigger role at one point but then had to get cut just mm-hmm. for you know when you work on anything as part of a team in a production schedule in a creative environment like things just get cut and it's a bummer right but we tried to keep these characters in uh legendary slots for like the fingers crossed we can return to them and bring their stories uh back to life on the big screen sorry to mix metaphors here because i know the card (laughs) is very small yeah um 
Jax was cool. Her whole deal was uh, she was like an upcoming bare knuckle boxer in the Caldea who started to take on a folk hero status um, okay. and and led uh, uh, Ziatora to to start to get incredibly jealous, um, hire Maestro assassins to go and kill her, and then. Uh, Jaxus uh, uh, defeats these assassins by uh, summoning the like demonic spirits of all the champions that she's defeated in boxing uh, to her aid. And uh, it's my hope that one day we can we can write out or continue that story mm-hmm. um, in uh, in in Yucupena too, ten yeah. years from now. <laughs> yep, and it's worth noting that uh, Jaxus is also the buy a box. All right, real quick. Yeah. Say real quick because there's a lot to okay. unpack with the demon lords, but we're gonna we're gonna run yes. through each of the heads of the crime families. Uh, right so I don't actually know what order they are. Let's go with uh, yeah. There we go. Falco, Sparta, Pact Weaver. Uh, we are hitting shot. Bird, <laughs> bird, demon. What's going on with Falco Spara here? Bird, demon. Okay, so um, the these these guys are some of are like some of the coolest characters I've ever gotten to work on. Uh, Asterix that we have publicly announced <laughs> that that are, are going to be available soon. So um, some background on, on, on all five real quick. So uh, each of the five family leaders were uh, alive and mortal um, at some point uh, before or during the construction of the city of New Capenna. Mm-hmm. Um, each of them has made a contract, a, a deal with an archdemon of Capenna in the course of like uh, some of the backstory, uh, which is like betraying the angels to um lead to a demonic takeover fulfilling mm-hmm. an, an evil plot um those archdemons have since disappeared but aspects of them live on within the five so falco is uh i believe there might not be hard lore on this yet until the uh uh the planeswalkers guide to to, to new capenna comes out which should come out at some point <laughs> i'm not the producer so i don't have the schedule right in front of me but falco i believe is the youngest or one of the youngest of the five he was a bright young law student during the um, sort of uh, old Capenna or kingdom era, um, studying in the most prestigious, possibly most prestigious because it may have been the last standing uh, law school in all of Capenna. <laughs> so Falco was a rigorous adherent to doctrine. Um, he's a polymath, polyglot, who uh, was in the very annoying habit of correcting his professors. Um, uh, also happened to be incredibly charismatic. Um, he's a good-looking guy, as you can see. He's got he, he dripped out in uh, more armored suits, big wings. We love him. Uh, his presence on campus drew uh, followers to him and eventually saw him expelled um, for challenging the old guard. Um, so basically, at uh, you know, at, at some point after that, he he winds up in New Capenna, uh, either as it is under construction or uh, uh, you know after it's been completed, and he installs himself there uh, as a legal mind, uh, and uh, gets to work sort of structuring the codes of the city, and is eventually approached by one of the archdemons who looks at him. He's brilliant legal mind. Demons love contracts. He's got a bunch of followers. Hey, would you like to sign here on the dotted line for power, wealth, mm-hmm. control? Falco, thinking that he's incredibly clever, says yes. Um, signs a contract that he is probably the most ironclad and and beneficial of all the contracts of the five. But still, you know, these are demons, right? Um, he uh, gets that sort of demonic investiture that all of them get. Becomes a half even half demon demon bird <laughs> lawyer uh and um and 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 sort of the the uh, the longer he lives and the more power he accrues uh the the more the sort of arch demonic side of him is starting to uh eat away at whatever uh you know mortal aspect of him remains mm-hmm. uh twisting his efforts ultimately towards dark ends all right all right, we're going to do one more Demon Lord, and then I know Chad sure. is chomping at the bit for some previews. So we're going to do one more Demon Lord. We'll do some previews, and then we may come back to the other Demon Lords, uh, depending on time. So let's see who we have next. We have Rafine, the Scheming Seer, who is Raphine. a Sphinx Demon. A Sphinx Demon. Tell us about Rafine. Sphinx Demon. I believe, and I checked Scryfall this morning, so I'm sure chat can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I believe Rafine might be the first Demon Sphinx in Magic. Um, so uh, before 
Nukapenna was was Nukapenna. Um, Raphine is also one of the older of, of the demon lords. So Raphine and Ziatora have the the two. Um, they were around for a long time during the Kingdom era. Before um, this is slight spoilers for for the story, but it, it, it is it is revealed in the story and and in the Planeswalkers Guide. The old Phyrexians, like think like Yagmoth Phyrexians, um, they invaded the plane at one point. So uh, that happened during the Kingdom era. So Raphine was alive um, during then. Uh, was a controversial uh, fortune-telling sphinx who long believed that she was an instrument of prophecy. Um, but the cold truth was that she was very, she was a poor prognosticator. She was not great at telling the future or or maybe not great at telling futures that people wanted to hear. So uh, it really wasn't until New Capenna, uh, uh, the city was built, that she was approached by an archdemon uh, uh, to... to uh, you know, offering her the thing that she craved most, which is like true oracular fortune telling ability, right? Mm-hmm. To the, the the ability to see beyond the veil and see the future. Um, again, the nature of demonic contracts is sometimes you get you really really get what you want, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is not great for you. Her uh, poor prognosticating ability turned into just a fire hose of prophecy um, that is overwhelming. So. As the leader now of the Obscura, they, uh, her minions essentially work to interpret everything that she sees into like actionable prophecy mm-hmm. uh, uh, to pull sense from her, uh, uh, to, pull, to pull sense from her visions, basically. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's jump into some previews. As I said, we have, we have 11 more cards to go. That number's a little, a little fuzzy because there is a cycle of five. They all basically do the same thing. Um, but we have some of the lands in the set that we're going to kick things off with. Uh, we are going to start with Botanical Plaza. So as I said, these are a cycle. Uh, so Botanical Plaza enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add green or white. And then for two, a green and a white, you can sacrifice Botanical Plaza, draw a card, and it also comes in that cool Skyscraper Deco. So uh, we are going to spend a little bit of time on these talking about um, the world building because these cards do a lot to really set the scene for New Capenna. So uh, tell us about the Botanical Plaza, Miguel. Yeah, I love the art for these cards so much. It's really like some of the most... I feel like we've been in just a wealth of we've been spoiled with lands for the last few sets. And, and this one just continues to hit mm-hmm. for me. It was a joy watching these come in in drafts and seeing them all the way to the, to the, um, to their finished um, as a, to a finished product. Um, so for all of the lands for Nukapenna, we have the very interesting, very challenging problem of, as I mentioned earlier, like how do we keep this a fantasy setting and how do we uh, show what, like what, environments one draws power from right when in the past it's 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 not that it's easy right because we have to make these look different and make them fit to every single plane but it's much more like past sets show much more of like the natural world right a plane is like a plane right uh an island is an island um for this it's slightly different so for uh, botanical plaza um when we're doing world building for for nukapenna you know our, our sort of headcanon for what the city looks like is is like chicago on the bottom, uh, Manhattan, New York uh, in the middle, and sort of like uh, Golden Age of Hollywood, LA on top. So uh, I don't think there is one in Los Angeles. I'm from Northern California and not from Southern California. So again, correct me if I'm wrong on this chat, but we sought out to sort of think like, what would like one of the grand old parks of like Northeastern cities in sort of like a sun-drenched place in the sky look like, right? Uh, We we looked at like a lot of, like Olmstead parks, right? Um, uh, Central Park, um, and, and and so on, mm-hmm. uh, and and then said like, for all these, they they have some some mechanical. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a lot, but I'm I'm very excited by these lands. So for <laughs> for all these lands, they have a, like mechanical overlap between or color overlap between uh, two of the families, right? In this case, green white is is Cabaretti and Broker overlap. So we wanted to show like the more civic-minded angle for these factions. Like one can imagine that a cabaretti or broker philanthropist has designed this park. But like they being New Capenna, they probably designed it to like launder their reputation, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's still ultimately like it's a nice place to spend a summer day. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the angle that we wanted to go for for this one. All right. Let's move to a more exciting part of New Capenna, the Racer's Ring. 
This is the yeah. red green version of that cycle. Tell us about this one. Yeah, this one, I'm, I love the deco version of this one. Uh, so this is like an example of us trying to cram as much world building as possible as we can into the cards. Um, we spent a ton of time right, writing and drawing, uh, building this world um, for our world guide, uh, for our story notes, uh, for um, draft art, uh, but we can only wind up fitting so much like in, in the story. Um, everything else we have to dump into, not dump that, not in a, in a negative way, but just in a like same way that Rafine is exposed to a fire hose of prophecy, we have to fire hose world building into the cards. Um, I don't believe we see a racetrack in the story, but we're like, look, this is noir. Uh, um, there's some someone's uh, watching their horses. Yeah, someone somewhere is desperately putting it all on um, on a horse with a wild name, and um, they're you know uh, plotting how to get get out of the city just in case uh, it all goes <laughs> wrong. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so uh, we again, this is another case of us like blending um, modern and fantasy settings. It's a floating racetrack um, inside of a city that is built in a tower. Uh, and and for this one, we're like uh, the red green overlap really hits um, Cabaretti, excuse me, Cabaretti and Riveteers, uh, the party faction and the um, hard charging labor faction. Uh, so we figured like a sports arena, some kind of sports arena makes absolute sense. You can party, you can relax, you go there with all your friends and, and have a great time. Um, and then to, to keep it on that noir thing, we didn't, you know, we, we decided instead of like a big arena sport, um, we, we'd go with a, a racetrack um, uh, where, again, crime could possibly happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's move through these next three a little bit quickly so that I, I sure. can see chat wants to see some of the, so the other cards. Uh, Skybridge Towers is the white-blue version of this. Yeah, so for this one, we want to take the camera up, right? We're hitting the white-blue, that's Obscura and Brokers. Uh, take the camera up and show the the business end of both of these factions, right? Not every single Obscura works mm -hmm. in a tiny little shop, but not every single broker uh, is out in the streets in their armored suit. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, both factions can be found in, in, in the Mezio, but their executive power is up in, in Park Heights as the... Uh, Flavor text there says power always rises to the top. We wanted to show another vision of uh, of what that top could look like. Mm -hmm. I'm from Minnesota. We have sky bridges in Twin Cities, and it just it makes it feel like home. Uh, next up, <laughs> let's look at the tramway station. This is the black red version of this cycle. Yeah, I'm really glad we get to see this one. So this is a super tough needle to thread, right? Because when most people think black red, they think like chaos, <laughs> chaotic evil type <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, black red overlaps, um, you know, with, with Maestro's and Riveteers, right? And, uh, we took it in a different angle for this one. We wanted to show the, not necessarily the murderous rage side of them, but, uh, the like curator side, the, uh, artist builders and, and, and organizers, um, leaning on sort of spaces associated, not necessarily with, with cruelty, but like, a, um, a self-sufficient freedom, self-sufficient made with an asterisk because it is a train station and like other people have built it, but like leaning on on that aspect uh, of, of both of these factions. Very cool. Uh, next up, the Waterfront District is the blue, black, and the last one of this cycle. <clears throat> blue and black align strongest with Maestros and, and Obscura. Um, we wanted to show off a place where like shadowy midnight deals might take place. You can imagine the cranes moving sort of uh, low sound of fog horns as people in trench coats um, scurry by and through the mist um, down at the docks, fog shrouded night, uh, sounds of industry in the background, uh, hoping to hit all those more notes mm -hmm. uh, where one can imagine schemes uh, take place. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the art is gorgeous on all of these. Yeah. Love it. All right, let's move into our next preview, which is the, also the bundle promo. It is called Mysterious Limousine. For three white and white, you get an artifact vehicle. That is a 4-4 four -four with crew two. And whenever Mysterious Limousine enters the battlefield or attacks, 
exile up to one other target creature until Mysterious Limousine leaves the battlefield. If a creature is put into exile this way, return each other card exiled with Mysterious Limousine to the battlefield under its owner's control. So you, you get in, but if someone comes out, then someone else goes back in. So uh, yeah, talk to us about the, the concept of Mysterious Limousine. Pretty top down is a moment, you know, when uh, uh, the maybe the the target of a, of a scam or the protagonist is walking down the city street. Uh, a mysterious limousine pulls up inside, uh, pulls up alongside. They're shoved inside for a little chat and then spat out somewhere later. Um, a little disheveled uh, or maybe with some more information. Right. Um, the one little world building note that I do want to point out is if you see on the bundle promo version of it, you can see like some some notes like insect battle notes. Some. Yeah gossamer wings and stuff there so early early on in the world building and i believe some of the world building pages still have it and if you don't have art for it to throw out that's totally fine but early on in the world building all of the cars in nuka Pena were just giant bugs mm. uh which led to like whole world building discussions of like are these bugs hollow like are people crawling inside and driving them or are they like living <laughs> things are there bug farms like what does that look like and and it wound up having to get changed because it was just it was it was too much mm. <laughs> it prompted too many questions and and uh, you know how would it fit the like artifact vehicle role if it technically looked alive um but that's why if you see on the on the promo version there that has some some insectile notes and and some of the other um cars throughout the set uh, you know have notes of like uh big beetles whose names i'm forgetting but you can find in the pages in national geographic okay all right next up is rumor gatherer Rumor Gatherer is a card with Alliance. It's a 2-1 creature elf wizard for one, a white, and a white. And it has Alliance whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control. Scry one. If this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, draw a card instead. So cross white card draw off your Streets of New Capenna bingo card. It's right here on Rumor Gatherer. Um, tell us a bit about the concepting of this art. I fought so hard for this card to be a person feeding a ton of pigeons and, and imagining <laughs> like a network of, of pigeons throughout the city. It just, it feels, yep. as someone who grew up in a city, it's like that is the national bird, uh, the national bird, the civic bird of any city is the, mm -hmm. the pigeon or the crow, I guess. Um, but being, you know, one of the things that you do in world building, especially for magic, is like try to, to take a mundane idea, which you know pigeons are they're very cool but they can be mundane and since we don't really have a limit on our special effects budget or or um like <laughs> puppetry budget um bump it up right so the uh the the idea that came out pretty early on in world building was um that cabaret had like menageries right and one of them that we imagined was menageries of teacup creatures which is why you see it, my pigeon idea got completely outvoted, <laughs> which like is totally fine because the the, the final product here is um, in favor expanding... of tiny bears, tiny elephants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like now that I think about it, after I spent I spent a day being steamed, but after I after I moved on <laughs> from that, I was like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. This is way cooler and and way cuter, and and let's run with it. Yeah. Plus, it expands the world building too. People expect pigeons to be in the city. People don't necessarily expect tiny grizzly bears, giraffes. Uh, uh, elephants and, and like a Texas Longhorn uh, to be there. So, <laughs> all right, uh, and you'll note that the, this has a main set version and a promo version. We are walking through all of the promo pack cards in this stream. So next up, uh, another one of those cards with a great name: an offer you can't refuse. This is an instant for a single blue mana that says counter target non-creature spell. Its controller creates two treasure tokens, and this one is a this one's a story spotlight too, Miguel. Yeah, so this is a spotlight. Um, this is highlighting. There's, I believe, the third episode of the story. We have what amounts to a montage of of Elspeth moving through the city, uh, doing early work for. Um, she decides to ingratiate early on when she when she learns that. You know the, the true power in the city is found in these five families um she decides to ingratiate herself to one of them uh uh and and you know learn to move in the city and hopefully build alliances so she's not completely alone um one of the stories one of the episodes follows her 
uh, and, and like I said, sort of a montage scene as she is uh, doing increasingly um, difficult and prestigious tasks for Lord Xander here, who's the handsome devil in the background, um, <laughs> demon vampire in the background, uh, and uh, in exchange for um, sort of drips of information about the city and, and its past. Um, the spotlight moment showing, you know, one of their conversations that they had. As the flavor text says, Elspeth wanted answers. Xander needed a spy, and their paths were destined to cross. Um, this is also one of the cards that, uh, you know, in in any set, we have some cards that come top down, basically from Vision. Uh, I don't think the name of this card changed from day one. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. every single person who saw it was like, yeah, of course, that has to be in there. It's the most uh, of the like mob tropes. Uh, an offer you can't refuse is, is probably one of the the uh, the most iconic phrases um, and, and most quickly associated with, with mob movies and mm -hmm. fun things like that. Yeah. All right. Next up is Incriminate, a sorcery for one and a black that says choose two target creatures controlled by the same player. That player sacrifices one of them. All right. What, what is going on here? So this is uh, in the Planeswalkers Guide. I believe we'll we'll talk a bit about this, but um, this is 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 showing you a bit of what Lord Xander does when his staff aren't paying attention. He is the leader of the Maestro's crime family. Uh, he was a nobleman in the in the Kingdom era who signed a contract with uh, with a, an archdemon. New Capenna um, for, you know, endless life and power. Uh, and, and of course, the sort of the trick twist on that was that his his endless and powerful life was one that came at the at the at the cost of becoming a vampire. Right. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, was also an artist uh, for him. His uh, acts, his idea of art became the, the, the performance art of, of murder <laughs> and <laughs> crime. Um, and here we get to see a scene of, uh, you know, maybe this is occurring when he's a younger man. Uh, this could be a, a younger demon vampire. This could be occurring, um, you know, in the present day when he is technically retired and supposed to be at his office in the museum, uh, you know, maybe maintaining paintings, but slipping out every now and then and just seeing if he's still got it, <laughs> just, just practicing, you know, he's the... He's, he's coming to play pickup or something like that. He's, he's strapping on the cleats and seeing if he could still still run around the field for a little while. And in this case, still frame a, a poor bystander for the murder of an unknown person. Yeah. That flavor text is pretty great, too. If I were you, I'd check yeah. Out yeah, that's freelance instigator. <laughs> I've never been so mad to have not thought of a, a title ever. It's It's so great. I mean, it's freelance instigator or paper shredder really are the ideal career paths in New Capenna, it seems. It really need like, imagine the amount of drama you could start if it was literally your job. <laughs> could be fun. <laughs> All right. Next up, another car that's going to cause a bit of trouble. Light them up. So this is one in a red for a sorcery with casualty two. Light them up deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. And of course casualty lets you copy by sacrificing uh light them up what's what's going on in this picture who's that this is about as classic a maestro card as you can get i think the only thing uh you know it shows off their finger gun magic we have a cool appealing vampire in a luxurious setting casting finger gun magic it just this is you know, in in the in the sort of pantheon of cards that I have in my head when I think of New Covenant, like this is one of the cards that I think of. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Light Em Up is another name that just came through top down. I think we have a couple like Sleep of the Fishes, Off You Can't Refuse. I think Concrete Shoes made it through. Of uh, you know, again, I think this set more than any other ones that I've worked on has had names come from Vision and Design that mm -hmm. are untouched by Creative because we're like, yeah, no, perfect. That's exactly what it is. Um, and that's exactly what this card does too. It's a, I think it's a very like uh, a very great example of on you know uh, of of everything coming together so well that it feels incredibly simple when yeah. it's like it's usually not uh, an easy process to 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 make a card as flavorful as as this one. 
Now you mentioned finger gun magic and just kind of yeah. just kind of kept going. Can you maybe expand <laughs> on that? Yeah. So one of the um, one of the ways that we wanted to show the we wanted to hit the sort of monster trope, like. Look, we have to admit in 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 noir films and in the mobster genre, like the use of firearms is like a classic uh, hallmark, right? Because it, mm -hmm. it's they're usually set in like the twenties, thirties, and forties in like an American city, and like mm, those are all available, right? Um, you know, we try to not show those things, right? Like we 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 try to stick to like we never want to represent like real world weapons on cards, right? Um, and especially showing them being used. Um, however. Uh, in a set where that is like a, a hallmark of the genre, we didn't, you know, we wanted to have something in our toolbox that we could evoke it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, it is the like sort of classic Maestro Magic. There are a few other cards that we see it on, I believe, where it is, you know, the the way that they cast their magic is loud, bright, volatile, and usually at the tip of a finger or two. Um, and uh, and this, yeah, again, Light em Up is one of the cards where it's like the name uh the mechanics and the arts uh we really wanted to bring all that together and say like this is how we solve something in in world building that we otherwise couldn't get around mm -hmm. um i think we did it i think it looks cool uh there's a lot of neat kinetic loud bright flashing action going on there plus you get to do finger guns yeah that too <laughs> all right Last up for preview cards, we have Courier's Briefcase. This is one in a green for an artifact treasure. When Courier's mm -hmm. Briefcase enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. And then you can tap and sacrifice Courier's Briefcase to add one man of any color, because of course it's a treasure. And then you can pay Wooberg white, blue, black, red, and green, tap and sacrifice Courier's Briefcase to draw three cards. All right, tell us about the concept here. Sure, so this is another one where, uh, and I have to admit we dip a little bit into sort of neo-noir with this one, right? Um, thinking specifically of like, uh, you have in Pulp Fiction, there is a briefcase that everyone wants because of the thing inside of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, we... <laughs> Nuka Pena is a great set because it like really hits the classic noir tropes. It is my fervent hope as a world builder that if and when we ever get to come back here, we get to do our like sun-drenched LA 1970s neo-noir and we can continue to expand on it um, uh, uh, from there and, and from this card as well. Uh, because if you notice there, this creates a citizen creature right mm -hmm. and uh it's it's five color right uh, or the, the ability on it is five color right right so new Capena is a city that is currently run and was built by these five families the five you know major crime families but there is you know there's there's no law but there is like a nascent or vestigial um city government right it's like you know maybe now it is currently used by uh the five families but with the at least from the world building, not necessarily the mechanic, but world building perspective, like the inclusion of citizen creatures in here. Uh, we want to remind folks that like, this is still a city. There is still, you know, there are people here who are not necessarily affiliated by, but are used by the five families. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, that civic government, that, that, that civic side of it, the world outside of it might be a tool for the five families now, but maybe that's not always going to be the case. Um, the case. Huh? Maybe that's not always going to be the briefcase. I, I tried to land that one. It didn't really work. <laughs> I I uh, caught it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right. That is all of the previews that we have for you on this show. Of course, Streets of New Capenna previews are going to be ongoing now through next week. So there's plenty available. If we don't have them, there are previews in other places being shown right this very minute uh for the last 15 minutes ish of this show we've got miguel he knows about the world of new capenna he can answer your questions so go ahead and put your questions for miguel in chat um, he's going to be mostly able to answer world building style questions if there are questions about previews um 
other sort of things about the set, I can probably answer some of those, uh, but we'll try to answer a lot of world building questions. It is easiest uh, in chat if you tag them at magic so that I can see them. Um, in the meantime, we only went through two of the demon lords. So how about while chat populates with the uh, questions, we go back to one of the demon lords and I think we've got Xander queued up here. Lord Xander the Collector. Tell us about Lord Xander. Lord Xander the Collector. All right, I'll try to keep this quick. Um, I, as a world builder, tend to go long, so apologies for that. <laughs> um, so Lord Xander, uh, I mentioned a bit in the, in the little chat card and uh, incriminate. Um, so before signing his contract with, the, with, his, with his patron archdemon, uh, Lord Xander was an ailing artist of an all-but-dead aristocratic house who's you know, incredibly jealous over the critical acclaim his younger uh, peers received. Um, he wasn't a vampire nor a demon before, uh, before he signed his contract. The, uh, the demonic side comes from signing the contract uh, as well as the vampiric side. Um, the vampirism was the uh, archdemon's gift to Xander and his followers. And in world building, we try to not say there never were or there always were. We try to not use definites like that just in case we need to come back uh, or we would like to come back and explore the sort of holes in that. But for right now, we're assuming that there were no vampires before um, Xander signed his contract and uh, he and his closest followers were given that gift. Um, when when we meet him in the story, he's largely retired as an assassin, though he still slips out on occasion. Uh, and he is very interested in the history of of New Capenna. Um, we'll dive into this a bit more in the Planeswalker's Guide, but there is a mystery surrounding uh, New Capenna. I think a lot of folks there understand that there is more to the plane than the city, um, but they're not sure why. There's 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 a gap in the memory there. Okay. Um, also, this is another one, and chat, please prove me wrong if I'm wrong, but I believe Xander might be the first ever demon vampire in Magic's history. Um, I, 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 I'm going to claim that I'm right on that until proven <laughs> otherwise. Um, so kind of along those lines, so this yeah. is a question straight from chat. Um, are there non-legendary demons in this set? Are there non-legendary demons in the set across main and commander? I there's a lot of devils, but devils and demons are different things. Uh, demons, gosh, okay, I'm seeing. I'm gonna say I don't. I don't recall. I'm seeing like I think there's a nightmare in there and a horror. There's some other things, but uh, non-legendary demons I don't recall. <laughs> All right. Uh, could you tell us more about uh, Giada and her backstory? I've really enjoyed her character in the story. Yeah, you know, Giada is uh, a, a creation of... Um, when this set was handed off, um, uh, the the folks who were working on the... Um, uh, uh, the folks who handed off the set had written Giada as, as, as a character in it, who I think is like a very interesting she is more than just a parallel to elspeth and elspeth's early life but she's a very similar one and the the i think one of the things that like elspeth notices about her through the course of the story is that uh is that giada is um whether consciously or unconsciously, she notices that Giada is in is in a very similar role to to her upbringing. Elspeth mm -hmm. was a prisoner. Um, obviously, Giada's circumstances are way better than Elspeth's in the respect that she's not like being tortured by Phyrexians. But there's a parallel in there, and that she's in a gilded cage. She is surrounded by people who claim to care about her, but they don't. They care what she can do, right? right. And and how they can use that. Um, Giada is certainly not gone, although the ending of the story leaves that question open, right? Um, and I, it's my hope, I'm, I'm dancing around <laughs> future stuff. <laughs> I probably said too much by saying Giada's not gone, but I, I'm dancing around future stuff. It is, let me just sum it up to say it's my hope that we can see more of Giada uh, and, and Elspeth in the story as we go on, because I think that they are a very close parallel um and and uh yeah i like reading what happens to them all right um i've actually gotten a 
bunch of questions about this character. So I'm just gonna sure. I'm just gonna prompt you. There's a bunch of questions about Ziatora. Can you tell us more Ziatora. about Ziatora? Yeah, yeah. Ziatora is cool. Um, Ziatora is interesting. Let me let me go vamp for a second while I scroll to my notes about her. <laughs> um, Ziatora, I, I mentioned up top earlier on that Ziatora along with Rafine are, are like two of the oldest uh, 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 of the five. They were around uh, before uh, the Frexian invasion mm -hmm. of uh, Capenna. You know, they were alive during the Kingdom era. Um, Ziatora is uh, Ziatora was a young dragon before New Capenna started. Um, she was a, a, essentially like a, a, a thrill-seeking berserker who led bands of raiders against the crumbling kingdoms of, of old Capenna um, during the kingdom era, even in the shadow of the ongoing Frexian invasion. She had a, a, like a bloodlust that was unquenchable. Um, when new Capena, <laughs> Capena, sorry, while new Capenna was being, was being built, uh, she was approached by an archdemon <clears throat> who offered her a contract and command over a mighty force. And she is like berserker raider. She's like, awesome. Let's go. I'm gonna get all my knights. We're going to, we're going to go crazy on this place. And it turns out that that mighty force was all of the people that she plagued, the people that she persecuted. They were artisans, builders, peasants, laborers, the people that she once preyed on and terrified. Hmm. She was now given command and told by the demons by the demon that she signed a contract with that she needed to lead them uh, uh, upon, you know, and, and, and lead them earnestly uh, upon pain of, you know, consequences should she break her contract. Mm -hmm. So since then, Ziatora personally has been gripped by a like mounting rage that has filtered out into her people, sort of converted in the same way that like the demonic contract pulled that like one, two, that uh, mighty force turns out it's a mighty force of laborers uh, that has since filled her riveteers with a unmatched passion that has taken them from a loose organization of like uh, of, of dispossessed trade tradespeople mm -hmm. uh, to a mighty union that commands like a full third of the city. Uh, and I, yeah, it's again, another one of my hopes that if and when we ever get to come back to, to New Capenna, that we can, we can really give the Riveteers the justice in the story and the setting that I, um, they're great in, in this one, but I, I always want to see more of, of, of them. So, uh, I hope, hopefully that satisfied some of the questions about Ziatora. All right. Um, all right. A couple questions yeah. about the, the plane as a whole. And we haven't sure. revealed all of this, so so answer what you can. Um, mm -hmm. So what, if anything, can you tell us? Well, first of all, do we know the name of the plane itself? Because New Capenna is the city. Do we know the name of the plane? Uh, officially, no. But internally, uh, and, and when we're talking about it, I'm, you've heard me say Old Capenna, Kingdom Era, Capenna like take those with an asterisk next to them, right? Those are like world building terms that like myself and the writing team use when talking about it um, for right now. Uh, and, 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 and as an effect of these demonic contracts uh, and the, the, the events surrounding the creation of the city and um, the, the, and, and Halo, uh, everyone in the city thinks of the city itself as the only thing on the plane. They can, you know, if they go to the edge, they can look out and they can see sort of like a wasteland mm -hmm. um, spreading out from the edges of the city. But no one really cares about that stuff. You know, you're, that's looking at flyover country, right? Like the exciting, fun, interesting stuff is happening in the city. So officially, uh, we don't have a name for it yet. Unofficially, yeah, I got a lot of names for it. And, <laughs> and again, I keep saying it like, I hope, when if and when we can come back to it, we can see more of it. And and we do see some of old Capenna in, uh, I believe Perry's side story, um, and that might be one other one. But wrote those a while ago. So now you kind of touched on it, um, but I'll, yeah. I'll ask this: What if anything do we know about what's outside the dome? Yeah. So uh, outside, um, one thing I will say, and this this is this is like. For the for the for the folks watching, this is a bit of a preview of the Planeswalkers Guide, which 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 will come out later. But it, it touches on this: um, the old Phyrexian, like think Yagmoth era Phyrexians, that invasion happened over the course of generations, right? Um, and the city was built over the course of uh, you know generations, right? Um, so uh, 
outside of the city, there is a world, there is a plane, there is stuff happening. New Capena is the single largest population center and is, again, for the people inside the city, it is the world, right? Um, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there, but I hope that, I hope that, that, that answers a little bit of that question. All right, we're going to do um, one more question, and then I think we need to hit one more Demon Lord, uh, yeah. and then we're going to go. So uh, last question before the Demon Lord, uh, we're going to go with, uh, it, this is actually a great world-building question. Is there an actual government, or is it just the five families that run everything? Yeah, this is a great question. So there's a nascent government. There's a couple cards uh, that I'm not sure if they have been revealed yet, but they are uh, cards that hint at there being a government. Um, uh, I'll, I'll refer to sort of when I was talking about the briefcase, right? So there is a government. Right now, it is it is a like civic organ that is near vestigial and almost entirely captured by the five families and used, you know, people keep the lights on, People pick up the trash. Um, uh, people like sweep the streets. All of those things are rackets right now. That are, you know, they might have a city of New Capena patch on the jumpsuit when they come to haul your trash, but it's probably owned by the Riveteers or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, that may change in the future, um, but for right now, uh, that is unfortunately the city uh that that the folks who the city that the citizens have is this is a city that is almost entirely captured uh by the five families all right and speaking of the five families let's hit that last demon lord one right before we go mm -hmm. here it is jetmir nexus of jetmir he is a literal Part, party cat. cat party cat yeah <laughs> uh what's jetmir's um, story Jetmir is another interesting one. So he is on the uh, he's on the younger side. He is the he's he's party animal nexus of revels there. Um, so uh, we would call him Grandfather Jetmir in some of the world building. Uh, I'm not sure if that ever made it in the story, but that's sort of how he's imagined among the, the cabaretti. He's the boss of the cabaretti in Nukapena. He's essentially a, a prodigal son turned hermit druid. Um, he was actually a paladin. So there was a a, a chance in the history. Uh, in an alternate future where he could have been uh, a member of the brokers, but he's not, right? He was a, a essentially a fallen paladin from a, a mighty uh, Leonin family during the kingdom era, um, who like disgraced by his his father and rejected by uh, you know the uh, uh, his order. He went and became an ascetic monk, uh, an ascetic druid, right? Um, he uh, thinking that that would sort of fix him up, right? Uh, it didn't. Uh, and he gave in to, um, like all the family member, family leaders, he was very charismatic. He amassed a following um, by telling folks to like reject fear and reject hatred and party all the time, basically. There's a lot more nuance to it, but that's essentially it. Lean into the hedonism that, uh, and, and, and joy of being alive. So when he got to New Capena, uh, he was charismatic. He had a following. He was, um, you know, preaching a lot of stuff that, uh, frankly, demons like to hear, right? Uh, moral judgment aside. Uh, and they empowered him to, like, really uh, uh, to, to continue to build that um, sort of cult of personality around himself and around the idea of, like, let the party never stop. Enjoy being alive because we are only alive for so long. Um, uh, and so, yeah, from from that day on, he he built the cabaretti into into essentially the like the family and order he's always wanted, which is partying all the time. <laughs> all right, that is it for Streets of New Capena on our show for today. We will be back next week in the afternoon in our normal time slot. Jules Robbins is going to join us to talk more about the mechanical side of the set and the the draft environment and everything that went into building, how the set plays out. Um, before I go, just a reminder that yesterday we released the April Super Drop for Secret Layer, uh, which has a tie into Streets of New Capenna. Uh, these are all of the bundles. There is a gilded foil drop with some four color commanders in it. Uh, here they are, the Showcase Streets of New Capenna. You've got Atraxa, Brea with a hat, and Yidris Maelstrom Wielder. Next up, 
special guest Matt Juke. So this is part of the artist series and you get the check lands. You can get those in foil or non-foil. Then we have the artist series from fan favorite Magali and just gorgeous pieces of art in that style that you're all used to. Next up, we have another in our artist series uh, featuring Concordant Crossroads, a card a lot of people are excited about. And then another artist series, Wayne Reynolds, Bunch of Dwarfs. And then we announced this one last week, but it's part of this drop, the left-handed magic cards. It's a bit of a goof, but they're pretty fun. And then finally, my favorite of the drop, just some totally normal guys. Just just some Goblin Settler, Void Winner, Collector Oaf, Vengevine, hanging out. Uh, those are on sale right now at secretlayer.wizards.com. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Miguel, for walking us through the world of New Capenna. Uh, Streets of New Capenna previews are going on the rest of this week and next week. So check out the internet for those. You can head to dailymtg.com. There is an article called Where to Find that will show you when and where all the previews are coming out. Uh, but enjoy. Thanks for tuning in.